You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. happen to be listening we are so glad you've chosen to tune in to dlc especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run we're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes with gaming goodness because dlc is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be and that is completely free thanks to our sponsor linode linode is bringing the show to you dlc of course the show all about games, and there are many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis, the guy who's in jolly old England today, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. It's all real good to be. I can't. I can't even bother with that. I am in a uh, a, a big echoey room, and a, a gaggle of kids might come pouring in at some point. Not into this room. Anyway, hello. I'm here. I'm in London. We're making it happen. If I sound a little echoier, that is why. Christian had the opportunity to actually record in a soundstage, but decided to go to a big echoey room where kids play. Well, uh, I mean, so. it was either that or delay production of Star Wars Episode Eight. So I figured, <laughs> you know, they're busy over there. Had a few no, shakeups. You're on, you're on, uh, on vacation, and yet you still carved out time for the show. I'm so grateful. Thank you. Thank I even you. played a tabletop game just for you, Jeff. Oh my gosh, uh, we weren't even going to do tabletop time today, but maybe we'll have to. Um, Thank you for being here, Christian. We have an awesome guest, by the way. This is our first sort of post-E3 show. I'm so excited about our guest. You know that DLC is your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian, but this week we're excited because DLC stands for Determining Your Leisure, leisure Choice because she's here to, to help you find what's good from What's Good Games, the brand new show that's uh, only six episodes old. It's Christine Steimer. Hey, how you doing? Hello, I'm great. How are you? I'm doing great. Congratulations on the launch. Uh, the Thank show you. is awesome. It's full of people that we like and love listening to. Uh, that have been many of whom have already been on the show, and um, it's just it's just great to see you guys doing something and uh, putting out great content. Thanks. Yeah, we've been having a lot of fun, so uh, I've been really excited about it all. Very cool. Well, we got a lot to talk about. Who knew that post-E3 week would be full of so much good stuff? Um, but let's start the show the way we always do, with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories using our hashtag on Twitter, that's DLCSOTW, or by visiting our subreddit, 
5x5dlc.reddit.com, where cool folks hang and talk about the show, talk about video games. Christian, I have to tell you, you know, on my other show, uh, Anchor, my, my Anchor show, uh, Newest, Latest, Best, I'm giving away a, a, a Nintendo Switch this week. In fact, today we're giving it away. Well, that's uh, a good prize. Isn't it? It's pretty good. I managed to actually get one and to be able to, to give away. It um, it <laughs> I can't even it do is, it. It is because you can't find one. Well, it's depends where you live, but. I can't even do my dumb British accent for, is it? Uh, how could I do that? Uh, I can't. I can't. You have to I, shout in order to do your British accent. That's the only way to do it. It's, more, yeah, more just angry less. British. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, the only reason I bring that up is because I've been asking trivia questions all week to give it away. And uh, so the last that's one I wanted to do, instead of a trivia question, I just had people sing the story of the week jingle, uh, send in a call and having them sing the story of the week jingle. And it has been uh, delightful to listen to hundreds of people singing the uh, story of the week jingle to try to win a switch. Uh, it has been my my personal joy. You anyway. are an expletive, Jeff. That is mean and cruel, and you're not going to pick any of those people, and you've just been sitting there smiling at other people's pain. <laughs> oh, it's been so fun. It's been so fun. Anyway, that's a non sequitur. Let's, let's pick story of the week. Uh, Christine, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Um, well, this morning, actually, Nintendo just announced the Super Nintendo Classic. Uh, and I was excited about it for about two seconds, and then I realized I would really rather just have Virtual Console on my Switch. Well, you bring up very good points. Uh, let's <laughs> let's get people up to date on the, the SNES Classic if you haven't heard yet. Uh, it is coming September 29th, officially $79.99, so 10 bucks more expensive than the old NES Classic was last year. And will include fewer games than the NES Classic as well. 21 games this time, but... They're all really good games. I mean, this is a sort of a who's who of awesome games. There's a Zelda. There's a Metroid. There's uh, several Mario's. There's Earthbound. Yeah, Earthbound. Yeah. There's a Star Fox, and in fact, there's Star Fox Two, which was actually never released officially on the Super Nintendo. And it's kind of cool. I think what Nintendo is doing. Uh, you can only play Star Fox Two, the previously unavailable game, if you play at least one level of Star Fox, which is also on the thing. So I think that's a kind of a cool little Easter egg fun fun thing. Well, I'm just um, glad they gave people a reason to pick this thing up. I was worried that it would just be sitting on store shelves, like no one buying it. <laughs> but now that they included yeah. the previously unreleased Star Fox 2, I'm, I'm glad at least myself and one other person will buy one. So Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah, none of us are going to be able to get these things. They're going to fly off the shelves. The still like unreleased Although- Star Fox 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although is Christine, Star Fox 2 available on um, like Raspberry Pi or any of those other? Yeah, not legally, but Not yes. legal things. Right. Yes. Lots of people have played Star Fox 2. Uh, and I'm not going to say I am one of them. But I, <laughs> I cannot confirm or deny whether or not <laughs> I have played this game. <laughs> but it's kind of cool that they're, you know, they're coming out with this game. I, just, I think that's a neat thing. And it really is an awesome list of, of games that are available. Uh, but Christine, I think you bring up a really good point. That, uh, you know, um, our friend uh, Ryan from um, from Area 5, I saw he tweeted this morning a really great thing. He said, why can't – you can go in the store and buy these. Why can't I also just buy this for the same price as a digital thing that I can download to my Switch? Wouldn't that be cool yeah. to like buy the Super Nintendo Classic Edition in stores or buy a virtual version of it? I think that would be neat. And that's kind I of would love a virtual about. version of this. I would totally buy it because yeah. – 
I want to. T- somebody was like, "Why don't you just get the Raspberry Pi and do all that stuff?" And I was like, "Because the point is, I want to be able to play it on the go. So I don't want to have to hook a whole bunch of stuff up. The Switch already works the way I want it to. Just let right. me play it there." I'm in agreement with that. I think it would be much cooler to be able to play it on your Switch, and it would sell Switches, and I think that's If you all... could find one. I don't think right. they're having problems selling Switches. I guess that's true, <laughs> they're too. Having they're having problems gonna, making them. They're not going to have a problem selling this thing. I, I have a feeling on September 29th and probably all through the holidays, if past is precedent, right, it's right. probably going to be very difficult to, to find these. Is People 80 are going to be mad again. Yeah, yeah. Is 80 bucks uh, still... You know, a, a price that that you would think is fair for this thing is that a is that a good price point? You know, I mean, people will pay for it, so I guess yes. <laughs> like in terms of supply and demand, yes, <laughs> it's a good price. Are you not? No, I know. I agree with you about the virtual console thing, but what about the cuteness factor? Because this thing is, is tiny adorable. and adorable. <laughs> yeah, it's adorable. But I guess for me, and this is something that I've sort of uh, started doing more and more as I'm trying to become more minimalist and the things that I buy. So even if this was widely available um, and you had no problems getting into it and I could walk into a store and buy it, I don't know that I would uh, because I don't lying. need You'd another thing. You'd buy it. You'd buy it. No, Come I wouldn't. On. Come on. I would, I would much rather have the digital thing we were talking about where if, if I could buy it digitally and download it to my Switch, that's what I want. Um, I don't need another thing to hook up to my TV. I've got and enough. What, what if... <laughs> What if, and there's the, the gaggle happened. I don't know how uh, I tried to mute myself. Um, what if, aside from the PR nightmare behind it, what if the digital version was a hundred bucks? You mean more than mean the yeah. just because, more? just because it have online play or something. Also, to be fair, this actually isn't more expensive than the original because this comes with two controllers. And last time it was one controller and a second controller was $10 and finding a second controller was a nightmare. So it's kind of cool that they're giving you two. That's where that kind of the price increase is coming in. Yes, less games, but two controllers. But yes, something super silly, like maybe it includes online play and it was a hundred bucks. Is it still worth it? Like at what point are you like, mm, at what point then if they release it digitally as one collection, would we be sitting here on this same show saying, this is great, but let me just buy the games I want. Like, I don't want super punch out. I just want Star Fox. Uh, let me get that for five bucks or something. Like, can we ever be happy? Can we ever be happy? Yeah. Just put the virtual console on a switch. <laughs> okay. Answer. Great. That's, uh... <laughs> I mean, I think the a la carte model does seem pretty obvious. I don't know why they haven't already done it, but maybe it's to sell these things. I don't know. Um, I think they're going to sell like hotcakes. It, it is cool. It looks cool. It's a fun nostalgia thing. The controllers being wireless is cool. The fact that there's two of them this time is cool. The games are all good. It's hard for me to get too upset um, other than the fact that I don't think many people will be able to to buy them. Christian, you were one of the lucky few that actually got an NES Classic. Are you going to buy one of these? If I'm able to, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd love to. Uh, oh, there's so many good games. Like it's. Uh, Who did you yeah. have to kill to get the first one? Uh, Jeff's firstborn. Jeff's son is actually his secondborn. It's a little known fact. (laughs) (laughs) It's really weird how my firstborn is good at getting uh, retail products before anyone else. And Christian just had to murder. That's dark. That's really dark. Anyway. (laughs) That's really dark. Good morning. (laughs) It's evening here. Um, It's it's evening here in London. I'm ready for the dark. Oh, okay. That's fine then. Speaking of uh, London, what what is your perspective uh, from there on Story of the Week, Christian? What is your Story of the Week? 
Well, we got a little tease of it last week when we were talking to Ben, and now it seems like more of Beyond Good and Evil 2's, I'll still use air quotes, gameplay is out. And it, it talks about, um, uh, I don't, you're exploring a ship and you're interacting and doing chores and you take pictures again. And I don't know, is, does this count as gameplay? Does well, it, did is you this see it? the video? Uh, so they released yeah. a yeah, yeah, show yeah. itself sitting there guiding us through what, what people saw behind closed doors. At being E3. a wonderful human being, as always. So, you know, he has a controller in his hand. He's playing a thing. He shows a big ship, and then a smaller ship comes out of it. He shows a monkey with a jetpack flying around. He shows the scale of the universe. He flies off of the planet in his spaceship into space and flies around in space and then back seamlessly to the planet. There's a city off in the distance that may or may not be anything other than geometry. Um, but... Yeah, it's very impressive. It's very impressive. The the tech, the engine that they uh, they are using. It's called the I think what is it the Pegasus engine, something like that. Um, did you get a chance to see this, Christine? I did not get a chance to see this video. No, but well, I saw obviously the announcement. Yeah, uh, it's worth watching. I think it's it's like fifteen solid minutes of him. There's there are large sections where he sets the controller down and just talks, <laughs> and the stuff he says, as Christian sort of mentioned, is uh, a bit. Crazy. I mean, in a good way. It's it's that very uh, cool shooting for the stars type uh, game developer pie in the sky thing, which which so like I'm Peter cool. Molyneux level. Yeah, yeah. But it's okay. also some weird stuff. Where he's like, he's like, you you'll have a you know you'll have a camera, which the game, first game had too, and you'll be well, able to take so. take pictures of stuff and like human trafficking. It's like what? That's definitely something I want to take photos of. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like you can go around, take pictures. Of, he's a, you can deliver pizzas to make money or take pictures of human trafficking. It's like, oh, there's that's a so it's yeah. like persona, but you add in like a National Geographic photographer element to it. <laughs> Evidently, I mean, I think that's all kind of cool. I love the idea of photography as a central gameplay element. It worked in the first game, and I think that's really neat. Uh, but it's certainly interesting that it, you know you can go from de- uh, delivering pizzas to uh, you know crimes against humanity, which is a pretty big tonal shift. Maybe you're delivering pizzas to the human trafficking center and that's how you have to get the photos. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh pizza, pizza delivery. Uh, <laughs> There's a like, hidden oh, camera man, in the pizza box. <laughs> sorry. I can't tip you. Will you take a child? <laughs> yeah. You're really like offering children up. <laughs> it's dark. It's dark. Um, so Christian, is, is this does this convince you that it's a game? No, I. I, it's I think concept the concept of a game. Yeah, I, I'm happy to see a working engine. I still don't know what the game is. I still think I'm not playing this until 2020, right? At the earliest. Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably true. But it's I'm just cool. so happy for them at the same time. It was really hard for me to not be super stoked for that. Actually, almost the entire Ubisoft press conference, where we starting off with Mario and rabbits and like the guy crying because Miyamoto talked to him, made yeah. me want to cry. And then at the end, these guys crying because they're just so happy that their game still exists. And I was like, oh, I feel your your excitement and I, I want to cry now, too. It's true. It was a, it was delightful. Although I wonder how many of those tears just have to do with them, like potentially having a hostile takeover and all <laughs> being <laughs> being losing their jobs. But I prefer to look on the bright side, like you. And uh, yeah, no, I think you're right. It, it's cool that this game is being made. It's cool that the ambition level is so high. I want developers to be shooting for the stars like that. That's that's what I 
that's the kinds of games that I want to be playing. So even if I have to wait multiple years to play this, I will be happy that it's it's happening. Yes. I want every developer to cry on stage at E3 because they're so excited about what they're working on. Yes. Yes. That's great. It's just a, it's just a tear fest of just people so passionate <laughs> about their work. I love it. Yeah, it would be great. It's the uh, the Barbara Walters special of video game shows. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try and start this <laughs> next year. It's gonna. I'm gonna have a show. I don't know what we'll call it yet, but I'm just yeah. gonna try and make developers cry, but in <laughs> a good way, not not in like a mean way. But you know, I like it. That's like positive tell, crying. Tell me about how proud your mom would be about this. Game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I don't want to step out of line, but I'm crying. I'm so happy to be doing this show right now, you guys. So, oh, you crying on the inside? No, it's 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 everywhere. I'm flooding oh, the streets here. It's everywhere. <laughs> well, my story of the week uh, is a bit of a rumor, but it sounds like it's got it's picked up some traction, and a lot of a lot of outlets are reporting on it. I need to see Several... your face to see if you're telling the truth right now, Jeff. Hey, oh, way to jump ahead. Uh, L.A. Noir which is a game that we talk about a lot on this show, actually, because I think it's an underrated game. It's a it's a weird enigma. It kind of wasn't too successful, but it did a lot of things that no other games have tried to do. The old rock star detective uh, set in Los Angeles in, in the you know 30s and 40s, a Black Dahlia mystery game uh, that was released, what, back in 2011, I think? Oh, man, was it that long ago? Yeah, we're, yes. Feels uh, like yesterday. It does. Well, it may be tomorrow, in fact, because it's getting supposedly a remaster, at least according to these rumors. And the rumors indicate that the remaster is coming to Switch and <gasps> PlayStation 4 and Xbox One in the late summer. So you'd figure we. This summer? This summer, yeah. I mean, I think they, they should better announce it real soon. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. If this rumor is true, then yeah, we should be hearing about it very soon. Uh, but uh, it's several different outlets are talking about it, and they're saying that it would include a first-person mode. So usually that game, or you know, back when it was re- originally released, it was a third-person-only game. But it used some really cool tech with actual actors captured uh, in the you know in the facial animations and stuff. I always thought that tech was going to catch on, and it never really did. But it was a bit uncanny valley, I would say. You think? I thought it was you kind know? of sidestepping uncanny valley because it was really real faces. It definitely it towed that line. So for me, like sometimes it was fine and sometimes I was creeped out. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. There were a few weird people. And then also, you know, a lot of that game was, as Christian re- referred to, uh, it was all about picking out. Uh, liars and some of the actors with the ticks the facial ticks that they would do to sh- indicate that they were lying were a bit over the top yeah <laughs> they're like, help. Twitch, twitch. <laughs> yeah. like uh, think he's lying uh but comicbook.com is reporting th- from three separate sources related to rockstar that the remaster is not only in the works but is going to have a vr mode on playstation for playstation vr I think this could be so cool, like sitting across the table from somebody and staring directly into their face and looking for lies. That's awesome. Yeah, just... I'm not super into VR, but it's an interesting use of it, for sure. I was just going to guess if these three sources were Jeff, Kanata, and Jeff Kanata. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> is, my, is my hope. I'm just like, hey, comicbook.com. I have done work for them before. Anyway, it's uh-huh, not me. Uh-huh. It's not Uh-oh. me, but I, I would love for that to be true because uh, I, I just think that this is the – I've actually been describing a game like this for a long time in, in VR uh, 
and I've used L.A. Noir as a great example of something that could make it work, where you are literally like staring at the face of somebody listening and watching them because you're in that one to one size ratio. It just feels it would feel really cool, I think. It well, would. I'm good. Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 I was just going to be talking about like the only problem is if somebody in real life were lying, it, it's similar to what you just touched on earlier, how some of the actors had to really telegraph the fact that they're lying because actual good liars, you wouldn't be able to tell. Right. Yeah, that's true. But in VR, it'd be better. But in VR, you might see that weird eye twitch. Yeah. <laughs> right you just want to stare at people. That's what it's going to be, face staring simulator. It's the voyeur game. That's what I, no, that's not what I want. Your Honor, <laughs> we have new evidence for the case of making a murderer. I present to you PlayStation VR. <laughs> <laughs> Serial season three, Jeff puts on a VR headset, cracks the case. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it, that's the, with my, with my precogs and my VRs. That's how <laughs> all crimes are going to be solved in the future, you guys. Um, Definitely. <laughs> so Christian, you're not into this either? No, I'm into it. I think the whole game could work well in VR. I mean, the game yeah. was kind of point and click, you know, like explore a scene, you know, look, pick up a candlestick or whatever. I don't know how they would handle driving, but I really enjoyed, I think it was one of the best first You don't know how they would involve driving? There's you VR drive. driving games. And yeah. it makes a lot of people throw up. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that, you know, if they have solved that. Um, I heard that Gran Turismo Sport and VR outside of the car, like the full body car demo also was a little nausea inducing at uh, E3. I did not play it, but that was what I'd heard from some people. I don't know, but I, I am down for this. I just wish the back half of the game was better, but that will never change. Yeah. I yeah, know. I only played the first half of it, so I have I, I, I don't know what to say about that. Well, you but. stopped at the right point because uh, when you go to the Arshin division, the game really kind of grinds to a halt. But all the Black Dahlia stuff is great. Uh, I think that yeah. game – it deserves – either even if it doesn't come out in VR, I think it, a remaster would be a cool thing because I think this game deserves more notoriety than it, than it really has. I think more people should play it. The only thing that bothered me about it – and this is a really minor stupid thing – but he shimmies up drain pipes in dress shoes – <laughs> and I was like, I don't think you could do that. I would, I would actually like to see people try. <laughs> Some Flip right down. Flat leather bottoms on your shoe. Yeah, there's not yeah. going to happen. He's like, but he just climbs up like Spider-Man. You're like, yeah. oh, man. These are 1940s really drain pipes, though. They're very different than modern drain pipes. Very grippy. <laughs> very grippy. They're all made of sticky tape. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, we can move on from that. I mean, I kind of want to talk a little bit about this Super Mario Brothers thing. I guess I have to now. Um, I, I know we, we're not we're not as big fans of the VR and the AR uh, right now, but I was really impressed with this. I hope you guys got a chance to see this vid video. Uh, a fellow by the name of Abhishek Singh uh, created Super Mario Brothers World One One inside uh, um, Microsoft Hololens, so it's an AR version, and he videoed himself dressed up like Mario in Central Park. And uh, you can see his video on, on YouTube that he uploaded is like his POV, but also picture in picture is a picture of him, you know, in Central Park doing it. It's delightful. I mean, Mario Brothers World 1-1 is sort of the hello world of video game things. Like if you if there's a character creation thing, somebody's making World 1-1, you know, so I guess this had to happen. Yeah. But I think it's pretty clever how he managed to to pull it off 
where you literally jump onto the tops of Goombas to kill them and you literally leap up and punch the uh, question mark box to get a mushroom to come out. And when the mushroom comes out, it's pretty clever how he does the the size thing because the whole world changes size in relation to him, which is how it would appear if you were getting bigger. It's not that you get bigger. It's that the world gets smaller. I thought that was clever. Um, anyway, I, I don't know. Did you guys get a chance to see this? No, I did not watch this. I did watch the Universal Japan live action Mario presentation or whatever that was a couple weeks ago. And very different than this. Very funny. <laughs> well, I recommend it. Anybody that gets a chance to see it, it's, it's pretty clever. And it shows what we can expect from AR when it becomes more mainstream. I think the idea of it's a little silly, obviously, but I think the idea of being inside a video game is going to be pretty attractive to a lot of people. So uh, it's a yeah, pretty- it may be fun to just run around and and do once once or twice a a year probably is all I would ever do it for. But <laughs> right. okay. at events like E three, it could be fun actually. Yeah, and I think that you know as they get more interesting and and complex, I think Mario is the is the first baby step toward what would be a really cool, you know, multiplayer situation in the real world. Anyway, it's possibility. It's the first taste of possibility. The future. The future. All right. Speaking of the future, let's move on to uh, the next segment. But first, let's thank our sponsor, Linode. Linode is a hosting company offering high-performance Linux servers for all of your infrastructure needs. And Linode has it all. Lightning Quick servers in the cloud, a super-fast 40 GBPS network, automated backups, node balancers, managed services, guides with step-by-step instructions, a simple but powerful control panel, 99.9% uptime, 24-7 support experts, and all the tools you need to get the job done right the first time. And now, Linode offers two gigabytes of RAM for only 10 bucks a month. Over 400,000 customers trust the Linode platform, including 5x5. This very network's infrastructure is happily hosted on Linode. And getting started is easy. You just pick a plan, choose your favorite Linux distro, and pick from one of eight data centers in America, Europe, and Asia. Linux has a huge announcement too. They're now offering a gigabyte for $5. High memory plans starting at 16 gigabytes for $60 a month and an upgrade in storage from 24 gigabytes to 30 gigabytes on your two gigabyte for $10 plan. So all you got to do is check out Linode.com slash DLC. That's, oh, excuse me. <clears throat> Pardon me. It's promo.linode.com slash DLC. And you'll get $20 off. Oh my gosh. $20 Linode credit on a new account. Promo.linode.com slash DLC. That's P-R-O-M-O dot L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash DLC. Christine, what have you been playing recently? I've been playing Zelda on my new Switch. Oh, you just got into the to the Switch world? I did just get into the Switch world. So I actually had tweeted, uh, I think it was last week, um, about how I couldn't find a Switch. And so on last week's episode of What's Good Games, I was complaining that the only game I had played was going to like 50 Targets and Best Buys trying to find a Switch. That is a good game. Very challenging. It's, it's a very challenging game. Um, it's Nintendo's best game sometimes. <laughs> it's the only game they know how to make. Yeah, the most <laughs> often released game. <laughs> but, uh, and then uh, a friend kindly sent me 
a brand new Nintendo Switch and the Zelda giant box. I don't know what if it's a special edition or what, but wow. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. So now I'm finally getting to play a Zelda because I have never played a Zelda before. Really? Um, really? Well, this is this is not. I mean, sure, you already know that, but this is not a typical Zelda. This is a very different than any of the previous Zeldas. But are you, how are you liking it? I like it a lot. It's it's familiar to me as somebody who plays sort of open world RPGs. So um, I'm liking it a lot. Although I was I was texting uh, Britt, who's really into Zelda, last night, and I was like, "How do I cook?" Because I'm I'm expecting it to do. I'm expecting it to work a certain way, and it's not quite. Everything doesn't quite work the way I would expect it to. Mm. Um, like, I would have thought I could just walk up to a fire and cook. But there has to be a special thing over the fire in order for you to cook anything. Um, what do you mean? Oh, what do you mean a special? Oh, yeah. The, there has to be a pot. There has yes, to be a pot. there needs to be yeah. a pot or something. Whereas I'm like, why can't I just put this on a skewers and take it over the fire? Right. Uh, I wouldn't survive very well in the wild. Um, <laughs> well, I think that there's – I think I, I kind of appreciate the logic of everything, right? That's that's kind of neat that uh, – yeah, you would, you know, it would be hard to cook something with just an open fire. But uh, if you have a cooking pot, you can make all kinds of fun things. Yeah. So uh, I've been enjoying just kind of running around. The world's beautiful. Um, and it's get it's taking me a little bit to get used to the fact that my weapons break down so quickly. Um, yeah, you but, never get used to that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, but I okay, bye. <laughs> yeah, it's always a bit of a frustration. Uh, but is it does that happen to even the like really higher end stuff? Yeah, I mean, there's there is the master sword you can get through a, a very prolonged quest. Uh, you can uh, you can that one doesn't really have that problem, but. Everything else in the game, even the high-level stuff, yeah. It, it, I think that's the main gameplay loop is making you cycle through things and making you – that's that's the challenge, right, is is resource management in that way. And I I think it either rubs people the wrong way or, or, or not. It's one of those either love it or hate it things. Gotcha. Well, it's not irritating me yet. I was just like, oh, okay, that's done. Next. Um, but I do think it would irritate me more if it was a higher – like it was a sort of a rare thing and then it goes away. Because there's no way to repair them, right? They just no. they just go correct. Yeah. But you All start right. once you start getting higher level things, you kind of keep getting things of that level. Like you might have one that's really good, and you're like, oh, but it it does a good job of as you get into later game stuff where things still break, and you might have a type of weapon you like, a spear over a broadsword or whatever. But it does a pretty good job of you're constantly getting things about the same level so it's not as if you have a level 150 i'm making up something and then that breaks and you're like well i'll go back to my level two sword <laughs> <laughs> right okay well that's good uh and you- yeah, i do think that the benefit of that is it, it forces you to mix it up um right. so you're not constantly just getting bored button mashing the same thing over and over again are you playing primarily handheld or on a television or how are you I am playing? playing handheld because the main reason why the Switch appealed to me, because I actually haven't owned a Nintendo console since the Super Nintendo, mm-hmm. um, it was the fact that it's basically a giant Vita. And that's what I want more of in my life. <laughs> I travel a lot at this point, so... Um, for me, that's why I kind of didn't, you know, I don't, I don't need more things that hook up to my television. I need more things that I can take with me on the go. Yeah, I find myself uh, using the Switch in the same way. I very rarely use it on my television. I almost exclusively use it as a portable thing. And I think it's just like when I, when I think to play Switch games, it's because I don't 
it, it would be inconvenient to use my television. I um, feel like hi, it's the, this oh, is it's, this is Nintendo. I just want to let you guys know the Switch is a home console, mm. and the 3DS <laughs> is still very important. <laughs> So, uh, you know, just, just letting you know that it is a home console that you can take with you, but it is our, it is our home console. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Thanks, Jeff. Good show. <laughs> Thanks, Nintendo. <laughs> uh, they can call in anytime. They have an open line to the show, so they call in a lot. That's um, awesome. Mark from Marketing comes. You guys are very lucky. <laughs> we are. We're very fortunate. Um, Christian, you've been playing, speaking of on the go, you've been playing your, uh, your Switch in London, right? Yeah, I've also dove back into Zelda, um, mostly because the other game I thought I'd be playing a lot of I don't love, and that is ARMS, which is very well made. Uh, I love, the like I talked about before, the character design, the quirkiness, like this bold, bright, quote-unquote, new Nintendo. But the gameplay of ARMS, I've played through the Grand Prix a couple of times and a little bit online. I'm not the biggest fighting game person. You know, I, I don't cover Evo or go to Evo and I'm not very competitive. Um, and I just, it's core gameplay fighting loop just isn't hooking me. And then it's single player content of progressing through the Grand Prix over and over and over again on different difficulty levels isn't satisfying in a way that like Injustice 2 hooked me with its story or with its multiverse tower where I'm tinkering. And um, I'm not saying it's a bad game, but as, as far as fighting games go, it is not for me. Like I felt like, oh, I, I did it. Like if you played the test punch, that's the game, right? And then it's like understanding maybe strategy more like when to block. Like of course there's a deeper mechanic to understanding each type of arm but in terms of something that pulls me back to play it time and time again i find it um very flat and kind of an empty package unfortunately compared to some of the other fighting games that have come out recently that are packed with so much arms feels like um even a step down from mario kart in terms of what nintendo gives you versus like a forza horizon 3 or a need for speed where it's very much you know you can play online you can play battle mode Here's a Grand Prix. It's like that same approach in arms, but it feels like even half a step below that, what current Mario Kart is. And it was like, yeah, yeah, here's uh, the Grand Prix. It's 10 people. Now play it again on a harder difficulty. And you're like, okay, you can do that again. <laughs> um, but hopefully arms too maybe will improve on it. Like I, I love the character design. I love the quirkiness, but it is not something that clicks for me. And I think Jeff, that so far I'm, I'm safe. You don't get to punch me in the stomach or whatever our bet was. You have not, you have not uh, played arms. It was a Christian invented a bet. Me complimenting the game or, or, or uh, commenting that it was more interesting than I had first given it credit for. He then proclaimed that I would not play it, which I never, I never professed the fact that I was going to rush out and buy it anyway. I just thought it was much more interesting than I had first uh, thought. And he said, Oh, you're never going to play. It. You're never going to play it. And I said, well, I may or may not, but at least it looks uh, a little deeper or more interesting than the first gameplay reveal in, seemed to indicate. Um, so that's the, uh, I guess a bet in, in Christian's mind is, is, was that I was not going to play it. Uh, but I have not purchased it. I have not gotten it. It is, uh, it is not a game I have not played at all. And that's just because there's lots of other cool things to play. Um, but Christian, I'm I'm curious about the just the sort of central mechanics that aren't grabbing you. Is it 
is it because you don't feel like the move sets are interesting or the, is it the perspective that is so different than other fighting games? What is it that is not doing it for you? It, it might be some of the perspective that, that isn't grabbing me. It might be that it's not as flashy as a lot of current fighting games are. When I watch Dragon Ball Fighters or Fighter Z, however which way they pronounce it, or Marvel versus Capcom, or even Street Fighter Five, like the, and even Super Smash Brothers, those games are so flashy on screen to watch. In Arms, you have an, an I forget what they call it, an Ultra, or you know, like a flurry that you can charge up and unleash, but it's just not. It, it's a slower paced kind of dodge, punch, block, punch. And it just doesn't, for me, click in the same way of, you know, unleashing an ultra and then, or tagging in a character to perform this cool combo. You get an air juggle where you're, you're like killer instinct when you're bouncing guys all around the screen or Mortal Kombat or Injustice where you have these really cool, fun, bold, vibrant moves to watch. Arms feels very much like, um, punch block whirlwind punch i don't know it just doesn't have that same i hate to say je ne sais quoi but it just doesn't it doesn't it, it's not catching me in the same way unfortunately and i'm sure there are people that love it and that it that it has caught in a way and maybe people that aren't big 2D fighter fans have gravitated t- towards it more but it's just it's just not clicking and then i find that the control scheme is frustrating to me both ways, where if you play with motion control, um, I find it to be not as precise in terms of you're never going to know exactly. Like it's pretty precise, right? It's better than original Wii motion control, certainly. But you're never going to know exactly when your punch throws, when you're throwing a punch in the game with motion controls versus pushing a button, right? Like you push that button, there's the punch. It's going. Uh, But then... When you play with buttons and you use the controller, you can't steer each arm. And when you play with motion control, you have independent control of steering. And then when you play with the controller to block, you click the left thumbstick. And that's also how you move. I've never found that clicking that thumbstick while also moving is a super reliable button press and you can't remap the buttons. So it's just not, it's just not quite right. There's like enough little things that kind of, I think, nag on the core gameplay. And then that combined with the, the game not grabbing me initially in terms of the fights. Um, it, it keeps it from being something that I want to go back to versus, okay, I've played the Grand Prix enough. I got to a difficulty where I was getting my butt handed to me consistently. I felt no incentive to keep chipping away at this to understand how to best counter this. And instead, oh, look, I have Zelda and Mario Kart. Look how happy I am. Let's be happy. <laughs> <laughs> Christine, did you, have you played any of ARMS or... Are you I haven't played in? ARMS, but I, uh, the other girls have been telling me about it, and it, it sounds interesting. I'm not huge into fighting games in general, so for me, the main thing that interests me about ARMS is the special Joy-Cons that they released, the yellow ones. <laughs> yeah, I think cool. they're really good-looking, and I want them. Um, right. But other than that, I mean, I think it's interesting what you're saying, Christian, about the different input uh, controls, because it makes me wonder if you ever have a tournament, you're going to have to probably have everybody do just one of those because it would be difficult having people matched up against each other wouldn't it yeah i don't know somebody I mean, was doing motion and someone was doing a pro controller i'm sure you could see some really cool fights and i'm sure there could be pros that are great at motion control i think there are pros and cons to each certainly the way the game is currently set up it's kind of like 
you know, you, you do see people at Evo that play on a, a traditional six button controller versus people with an arcade stick and people swear, you know, one is better than the other. So I'm sure you could see that mixed crossed gameplay, but I, I feel like both have their shortcomings, unfortunately, right now. And I hope if someone is playing the game and loves it, I would love for you to email us dlcfeedback at gmail.com and, and articulate why this game has, has really, you know, caught your fancy because I was, I was more excited for it. And then as I kind of played it, I was like, I saw it. And I'm curious if someone out there that spent 60 bucks on it and they are loving it, how they feel that if it is, it's coming from multiplayer, kind of that round robin multiplayer tournament type thing where you're bouncing around, or if it's that core, just fighting mechanic gameplay, I would love to know what's resonating with you. Just based on what Andrea and Alexa have said, what they liked was the anticipation element of it. Um, cause I guess you kind of have to wait and see whether or not they're going to move and then you have to hook. Um, so I, I don't, that's just something that they've told me that they really enjoyed. Any other stuff on your playlist, Christine? Are you, are you playing stuff other than Zelda? Or are you sort of just, just doing Zelda? Just doing Zelda for right now. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it at the moment. Yeah, it's an all-consuming game for sure. Uh, I need to get back to it. I have not finished it and, and so many other things have taken my attention uh including games now on the uh, steam summer sale which now i'm spending money that i shouldn't be uh but one of the games that i've been playing uh is uh next machina which is a downloadable game for pc and i've been playing it on playstation 4 this is a new game from housemark uh the guys that did alienation and rezogun and uh it is a twin stick shooter like Something that you would you would see from Robotron or uh, Smash TV. I mean, it's very reminiscent of those games, but done with voxels. So every object in the game is made up of these little voxels, which are these little cubes uh, that can be you know cobbled together to create any object. But when you shoot something, they explode into all those cubes, and so this the the screen is just. A, a flurry with these crazy cubes of things exploding everywhere and lighting effects and stuff shooting off of things. And it is a visual delight. I mean, the game is so satisfying because literally everything you, you shoot pops and explodes into all its component parts. And it, it feels like a, like a ratchet and clank game or something where there's just little bits and bobs strewn across the battlefield. And, uh, and you're, you know, you're being surrounded constantly on all sides. It's a very fast paced, crazy twin stick shooter. You have to uh, rescue people that have gotten themselves in trouble, kind of like you do in smash TV and stuff. Um, and you have a dash that makes you invulnerable for a very short period of time. And there's power ups that get you better weapons. Ultimately, this game is just a score chasing game, you know, like geometry wars or something like that. So there, the the game is relatively short. It's getting through the levels that are provided is is not particularly hard. It's how how you do it. It's the style that that you do it and how many points you can accrue uh, when you start. Because you you start even in arcade mode, you start with ninety nine continues. So as long as you keep plunking away, you can pretty much get through it. But it's hard, man. It's it's not a it's it has various difficulty levels. But even in the sort of mid range difficulty level, it's gonna it's gonna be a challenge. And just sort of getting a higher and higher score is. Uh, requires a lot of skill. I'm really digging it. It's so visually fun that it really uh, makes me want to keep coming back for more. And I, I love a good twin stick shooter. So I can heartily recommend Nax Machina, um, NEX Machina on PlayStation 4. It's really good. 
So you're saying you have to rescue people. Is it sort of like Resogun? Because Resogun, you have to like go. Yeah, grab it's folks. Yeah, it's like there's there's innocent people that are glowing green that are wandering around through this horrible environment, and if they wander too close to a bad robot, they will be assimilated or whatever. Something awful happens to them. And so you have this time pressure of them like slowly walking toward their doom and you're like, turn around. (laughs) Why are you doing that? Just live, live. Uh, No, you have to, you know, basically just run through them in order to collect them and save them. And then survive to the end without dying or else they will not live either. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean it's it, it's not really reinventing the wheel in any way. It's it's doing something that is very, you know, it's been around since the earliest arcade games, but doing it re- a really high level the the speed of the game is off the charts. I mean, you're just going on 11 right from the beginning and because it looks so modern and new and cool and vibrant, uh it really is a pleasure to play. And when you go to when you transition to a new part of the level, like in, you know, Super Smash TV or something, you would walk to the left or right or top or bottom or whatever, and it would like slide the screen over to the new area. In this game, it like picks you up and spins you in like this Mobius strip of cur- curly cue around the other side and rotates the entire level around you. And then you land and you keep going. And just all of those flourishes make the game really fun to play. And I've been, I've been playing a heck of a lot of it. It's, it's pretty cool. For those games, I always – I really like them at first, but then like you were talking about the visual satisfaction of things exploding. For me, it's a, it's a pro and a con because it's really fun to watch, but at the same time, I get so distracted by all of the things exploding that I forget where I am and what I'm doing, and then I die. Yeah, there's definitely that. <laughs> I, I mean that's – that's, I definitely died a few times because I thought I could – dash through a thing and there's like 400 other things right where I was dashing to. And I was like, ah, but you know, that's, I guess that's the, the skill, the skill uh, curve that you have to get. And to not get distracted by shiny, shiny things. <laughs> yes. You know, it's a, it's an ADD challenge really. Um, but no, it, yeah, I'm not great at these games by any stretch, but I can certainly have fun with them. Um, but I, I hear you on that one. Uh, Christian, you have other games you've been playing, right? Yeah, um, I'll keep it brief because uh, I don't know how truly awful my audio may or may not be. The Wipeout Omega Collection on PlayStation 4 is phenomenal. It's a great remaster of an amazing game, and everyone should check it out. That's that's as simple as I can put it. It's so good. It's so good. Are you playing on a PlayStation 4? That's the only yes. thing that's available on, right? Yes. Well, the the content of the game is available on the Vita as well, but this is the remaster 4K right. capable if you have a pro version. The Wipeout Omega collection is only available on PlayStation 4, correct? Cool. Uh that's is that a full price game or is that like just 40 bucks, 30 bucks something like that? 40 bucks, I believe yeah. at launch, yeah. I was never a Wipeout guy, but uh I appreciate the fact that it's a much loved uh franchise. Oh, I love it. Those PSP games were just like right place, right time for me. And to have them all so beautiful, it's, it's, it, yeah, it's incredible. It, they're so good. They're so good. All right. Well, the most, most of the stuff I've been playing this week is VR related. I know you guys are not uh, doing any VR stuff, but if you'll indulge me, we will talk a little VR. <laughs> Just 
So I finished Farpoint on PlayStation VR. Uh, played exclusively solo, although I'm really itching to play it co-op um, because I think it would be really fun. But I played it solo and I played it exclusively standing using the aim controller. And I came away really impressed with that game. It is not super long. It is not – it's hard to compare it to modern first-person shooters because it sort of by necessity is a little more simple than what we can expect from a regular 2D first-person shooter. But in VR, as a VR game, where it goes and what it does and the story it tells, I found to be really, really fun. And playing it with that aim controller is just awesome. I mean, holding up the controller to my face and looking down the site or looking through a scope – closing one eye and doing it like I really would. It's a pretty neat experience. And I think the game goes to some really interesting places. The very, very end is a bit of a letdown because it kind of cop, I think it does a cop out and uh, it relies on this sort of enigmatic sci-fi ending. That is a, a bit of a been there, done that, I think. But overall, the story is pretty well, uh, realized and there's actually some characters that I care about in this, you know, first person shooter world. That's kind of rare to have happen and some interesting acting choices. And, you know, being face to face with these characters as they emote at you in VR is, is pretty effective and really cool. And the, the shooting is fun. The game is, is really, really solid. And you end up fighting some really cool enemies in some cool locations. And the last, the last section of the game is this kind of cool balls to the wall escape that really feels awesome in VR. I highly recommend Farpoint. I think if you have a PlayStation VR, it's a must play. How long, um, how long are your gameplay sessions when you play VR? I'm just curious. It depends on the game, but, um, and it depends on how hot my room is (laughs) to be quite honest with you. Cause, uh, I've been playing another game in Oculus I'll talk about in a second where I've literally – because it's been so hot here in the San Fernando Valley that uh, I can't play more than 45 minutes or my face starts sweating too much in the, in the headset. But uh, I was playing Farpoint a little while ago when it wasn't quite so hot in my living room with the PlayStation VR and I would play for two or three hours at a time. It was great. It was I, – I did not feel any – I mean I would sense – I feel a sense of fatigue just because I'm standing for that long. And my shoulders would get a little tired just kind of like standing there holding the thing. But I didn't have any kind of VR fatigue per se. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, because yeah, my main thing with VR was – and why I don't really plan on getting that into it is I like to play games for probably longer than you should. Uh, you know, like I'm like I want to go for like six hours or something and I just can't imagine doing that with something on my face – Right. For that long. And especially like you just mentioned with the heat. Um, I just imagine there being so many uncomfortable situations where you're like, I don't want to put something on my face. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, I, I, I feel that too. And, and yeah, especially, uh, especially with the heat, it's, it's, it's rough, but I've, I've had some long gameplay sessions. Um, when I played through, um, oh, what's the name of that game? The Insomniac game. That is third person. Edge of Nowhere. Like Edge a of Climber. Nowhere. Yeah. Edge yeah, of Nowhere. actually, I've played that. Yeah, I, I played that game for like four hour, five hour stretches, and uh, I I loved it. I, I played through it in like two or three sittings, and um, I, because I was sitting, it didn't really matter that I had something on my face or not, and 
it's the standing stuff that that's a little harder to do long gameplay sessions, but it also provides such an interesting kind of play experience that I, I don't mind, I don't mind doing it. And I certainly don't mind the fact that I, you know, can only do it for an hour or two at a time and then I'll go do something else. That's. What did you think about the fact that Edge of Noir is third person? Because I remember sitting down to play that demo at PAX. I think it was PAX last year. And they put the thing on my head and I see the character in front of me. And my first instinct is that's not me. Oh, interesting. Because I would be – because the whole point of VR to me is that you you are looking out of your eyes. Mm. So I'm moving around. But I guess it took me a half a second to realize that – you know, I'm moving this the stick and then the character's moving. Because for a minute there, I thought I was just following this dude. Right. And then I ended up falling off a cliff because I, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know where I was like, wait, what? And then I'm sure the demo guy thought I was a complete moron. Um, and I was like, oh, oh, that's me. Okay, never mind. Got it. Like, And then I didn't have a problem from then on. But it, right. it, there, was, there was definitely a bit of confusion in the beginning. Where I was, I was not expecting the game to be third person. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I thought it worked really well, but it's it's interesting how some developers are handling that. Like, I don't know if you had a chance to to try Moss at E3 this year, but they are. No, it looks adorable. It is super adorable. Uh, but they're doing a really thing, cool thing, where you are directly controlling the little character Quill, the mouse, but. They also acknowledge that you are you, or not you, but you are a character in the world. So, like, there's this moment at the beginning of the game where, or the beginning of the demo, where a little quill, like, walks up to this pond. And if you lean your face over, you look into the pond and you see yourself reflected back. And so it's, like, acknowledging that you are also a thing in this world, but you're controlling quill and yourself at the same time. So I I thought that was pretty clever way to go. Yeah, that's cool. The other VR game that I have been playing a ton of is The Mage's Tale, which just came out on Oculus Rift. It's exclusive to that platform for the moment. And it is uh, made by In Exile Entertainment, the guys that are doing The Bard's Tale and are pretty top-notch RPG developers. And this is a full-fledged, AAA, awesome experience. It's not a demo, not a short game. This is This is a big, robust RPG style game and you are playing in first person, you're playing a wizard's apprentice. The wizard uh, is defeated in battle at the beginning of the game. And you're sort of tasked with crafting spells and going through the world and finding out what happened to him. You solve puzzles, you uh, fight enemies. This game is awesome. You, it looks so good. It's one of the best looking VR games I've played. And uh, everything is really highly detailed. It feels like a AAA game. You're going through sewers and dungeons and, you know, typical RPG areas. But they do some really cool physical puzzles where you have to move things and insert something into a slot and, you know, figure out how to get past certain things. And it has a really awesome, robust spell crafting component where you have you have this mage's lair that you can go to at any time by putting both hands over your head and just like opens a portal above you and you shoot up through it, which is pretty neat. And then you go to this mage's uh, cauldron that's in your, in your lair and you, uh, you can find certain items in the environment that are spell reagents. And it's cool when you find something that, that works and you want to take back to your lair, a giant frog on a pillow teleports into your space and opens his mouth and you throw the item into the the frog's mouth and he takes it back to your lair for you. It's pretty awesome. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> Thank you, Minion Frog. Right. That'll exactly. be all for today. I mean, that right there is worth a, worth a playthrough of this game. It's just the fact that you get a giant frog and you throw things into his mouth. He opens his mouth. He's like, ah. It's pretty cool. Is it like that dog on the internet where you throw things at him, but it hits him in the face? <laughs> no, this is actually more skill. He's actually good. Dog. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so you have this cauldron and you get these reagents and you, you literally pour them into the cauldron in different combinations to create your spells. So you have these different elements, fire, ice, electricity, wind, and you can start with that as a base and then add color effects or um, behavioral effects to change the way that the, the duration of the spell or its, its distance or all these cool things. And you craft spells that you want to use and then attach them to your spell wheel in your spell book and uh, are able to use them by, you know, holding your hand out and shooting fireballs or whatever. It's awesome. The combat's really cool and fun and kinetic. Uh, I mean, I'm like dodging arrows or lifting my little spell shield that I have and like blocking the arrow with my, with my shield and then throwing a fireball or holding my hand out like a Jedi and shooting lightning from it to hit these goblins. It's awesome. This game's awesome. The mage tale. It sounds like a Harry Potter fan's dream. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Which I am a Harry Potter fan. So. It is, it's wish fulfillment of uh, a high degree of like, yeah, you craft spells, you go and you use them and you're, you know, you find like find a ruby and put it in a, in a skull's eye, which opens the door and all of it's, you know, it, it feels weighty and cool, like stuff, uh, a boulder moves slowly away, revealing a thing. And there's this awesome moment where you find, uh, you find this sphere, this like, um, crystal ball looking thing. And it will reveal magical things in the world. So you hold it up and look through it and it reveals hidden passageways or footprints that you can follow. It's awesome because it's all happening, you know, one-to-one with your size and you're physically manipulating all the stuff. It's awesome. That sounds cool. Is it only on Oculus or is it also on PSVR? It's only on Oculus for now. It is an Oculus Studios game, but uh, it tends to be the case that a lot of these go, you know, elsewhere. Yeah, because uh, I actually – I've tried both Oculus and PSVR, and I just think PSVR is infinitely more comfortable. I'm not going to um, argue with the that. The way it sits you know. on your head. Because, yeah, Oculus just sits too much on your cheekbones for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, they really figured it out. Sony really figured out how to make a very comfortable headset. Um, and I, I hope mo- more of these companies kind of take that and steal it <laughs> because it's, <laughs> it's the best way to do it. It really is. Um. Is it enough? Is Mage's Tale enough for you to try get into VR? I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna buy anything because that's should. expensive. <laughs> but I will def. I have lots of friends who have VR, so I'll just be like, "Yo, can I come play this?" <laughs> <laughs> Christian, uh, I was on uh, Slash Filmcast last night doing uh, a show with uh, Paul Shear, and he, um, I mentioned that I had uh, other shows, video game shows, and he's like, "Oh, hey, have you played Star Trek Bridge Crew? It's so awesome." And I was like, oh, yeah, dude, it's so fun when you play with your friends and you goof around. He's like, oh, I haven't played with any friends. I've only, you know, got, gone into games with randoms. And I love the idea of a bunch of people playing Star Trek Bridge Crew and, and Paul Shear is in their, in their game. <laughs> and they have no idea. Yeah, they have no idea. Um, have you, so have you, you uh, exchanged, are you excited about? You what? and Paul exchanged friend codes, right? And now he's going to come on the show? Yeah, and well, you, we've played Star Trek Bridge Crew together? Well, we're we're thinking of streaming a bridge crew session with the nice. Slash film cast crew and and uh, and Paul Shear. Yeah, he's the best. He's such a he's so funny and such a good dude. It's awesome. Yeah, um, but you're not uh, you're not into the Mage's Tale. Are you gonna are you gonna get it for your Oculus? 
if someone sends me a review copy, I will play it for at least four hours, but it is not something that I'll be spending my hard-earned cash on, no. Fair enough. So you are not in London to go to Harry Potter World. <laughs> um, I would go there. I would spend my money on that before I spent it on the Mage's Tale. Christian is like, I will get, I will go to platform nine or ten. That is it. No <laughs> None fractions. Of this platform nine and three quarters. I don't like fractions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what is this platform in my way between real platforms? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, lots of cool VR stuff, at least that I've been playing. Uh, let's move on now uh, to some quick questions. Quick, 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 quick questions. Quick, 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 quick questions. Quick questions are submitted by listeners like you. You can do so by sending them to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or by sending them to uh, or posting them on our subreddit, 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Some cool questions this week. Here's uh, the first one comes from Jackson, who says, uh, who actually has some criticism for our E3 show. He said, did you guys even cover Nintendo's announcements from E3? I don't recall hearing anyone even mention the big Metroid news on DLC, and I feel like they had some other pretty cool surprises this year. Anyway, love the show. Great E3 coverage as usual. Chew, chew. That comes from Jackson. And uh, as a manner of talking about that, Christian, because I don't think we even talked about Metroid Prime 4 on any of our shows, because we did two episodes for uh, the uh, press conferences, but we recorded both of those before Nintendo's Tuesday morning one. And then we had our big wrap-up show where we talked about all the games we played, but we never talked about uh, Metroid Prime 4 or any of those announcements. And as a way of queuing that up, I want to remind you what we said in our E3 prediction episode, which is this. Dude, if they show a good Metro, a Metro, Metroid, I, I mean, I will claim Nintendo is the winner of E3. Um, I will get that. That could take it right out of God of War and Spider-Man's noses. Yeah, as you don't game even have show. to play. For, they should just sh- show a logo and you're like, uh, the game of the game of the show is Metroid Prime untitled. <laughs> I need a little more than that, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what they showed. Wow. <laughs> you guys were spot on. I was arguing with the what's good uh, of the girls because I was like, oh, what about like Metroid? Maybe they'll have any one of that. And they were like, no, Nintendo doesn't care about Metroid enough. And I was like, oh, OK, sorry. <laughs> so I guess we're, we're lucky that you said you needed a little more than that, Christian, because that got us off the hook, uh, because that's exactly what they showed. Metroid <laughs> Prime logo. logo. Um but what what is your uh, what is your feelings about Metroid Prime Four, Christian? I'm I'm super excited. I'm I'm a little curious about it being a numbered sequel right now, um, and kind of where that what that means for it. Is it continuing the story? Does it take place after three and and kind of uh, first person? And I'm assuming it means it's first person. Uh, I'm very excited, very very excited. But I'm also, and I'm going to be playing it even sooner. Very excited for Metroid Return of Samus. I think is what they're calling it, the Metroid Two remake or remaster or re-envisioning for the 3ds i think that looks awesome i loved metroid 2 when it came out on the gba and it's a game i own on the virtual console for my 3ds and i think what they showed of that looks awesome so i yes nintendo had a great e3 and i'm very excited for metroid prime 4 they've said it's a 2018 game since e3 uh, I think I might cough and say a, a, a word that starts with B and adds ends with T after that, but <laughs> that would be incredible. I would love 
I would love believe Metroid it? Prime 4. Is that, your, is that what the word is? Believe it? <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is it. That, that, that is the word I can't I say on our clean show. Believe it. <laughs> uh, Christine, what do you think? Are you uh, – them just saying we're making one, did that – was that enough? Is that cool? I mean, I'm not – I'm not the I'm not the Nintendo person on our on our podcast at all, right. but um, I I still knew that a lot of people wanted Metroid, so I think a lot of folks were excited about this. Um, I think they also did this with the Pokemon RPG, which is what I'm more interested in, uh, where they're just like, "It's we're making something, right? Please hold, please hold." <laughs> exactly. that, it was the please hold of uh, of announcements. That's for sure. Yeah. I'm curious. At least with that, we got that they were make. It was the team that makes those games saying we're making sure. it. This was Metroid Prime Four, not Retro. Uh, same director who's been involved with the franchise. He also worked on Other M. We won't talk about Other M because everybody hates that game. Uh, but it's in good hands. And I'm like, what is Retro doing? Like, what's happening? Who's making this? Right. Maybe Retro's working on something else. Hopefully, that'd be nice. Um, but yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm with you, Christian. I don't think that game could come out in 2018, considering all they had was a logo. Yeah. I'm excited. I want I want that game to be made. I'm glad they're making it. I wish that they had had a little – they'd been a little farther along in order to show us something about what it is. But, well, you know. In Nintendo's defense, though, they had the Super NES Mini ready for this September, and they didn't even bother telling us about it That's a good at point. E3. That's a good point. That's true. Nintendo does things on their own time. That's... They're like, oh, E3's over? Here's this thing everyone wants. I guess we'll announce it now. <laughs> well, it didn't get drowned out in the E3 news. I guess that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, my favorite thing about the clip that I played was that you were right twice. You're like, if they if they show a new Metro, I mean Metroid, it's like, also we got a new Metro. <laughs> I'll take it, baby. <laughs> well, even when Christian misspeaks, he's right. It's stupid. That's a good power. Yeah. No, he's, he's, he's been so good on his predictions this year. I, it makes me angry. Anyway. Quick question. This comes from Bradley. He says, uh, Douglas Adams said a towel is the most important item in the hitchhikers uh, the hitchhiker can carry. What is the most important item in open world video games? Christine, I know you're a big fan of open world games. What is the most important item? Oh, God. I don't uh, – one singular? Well, you can I'll, – I'll allow multiples if you have uh, a few. Well, I, I'm – I've been trying to think of it. I've been looking at this question. I'm like, I don't know. There's so many. I'm like, maybe if we're talking about like a Zelda, something like a st- just a stick, a simple stick would be good because mm. you can use it to hit things, but you can also use it to cook food. And you might, if it's a big stick, you can use little bits of it and start a fire. Um, What's long, brown, and sticky? What's that, what's <laughs> a stick. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not, yeah, I don't know. It would be. There's, I want all of the things. I need a backpack full of stuff. Yeah. How about a really big backpack? There yes. we go. I'll go with that's that. That's it. 100% that's it. A that's big ass bag. Upgrade. First upgrade you can ever – you can. If, if I have an option of what to put upgrade points into, more storage. Always more storage. Yes. I'm a hoarder in open world games. It's really bad. Uh, also, I think a map is a very, very important item. And a lot of them don't require you to actually acquire a map, but the map – in the open world game, very, very important. And not only is the map important, being able to push a single button to get to the map is very important because uh, too many games, looking at you, Zelda, uh, require multiple button pushes 
to get to the map. And that, is it? I thought it was just one. I'm it's just, just minus. Just, it's yeah, just it's just minus. minus. It's just minus. Yeah. Sometimes I go the other way and get it. But yes, you're right. Well, that's the problem is to go from uh, missions to map is to like you have to hit plus to go to your missions and then minus to go back to the map. And it's, yeah, not the best. Not the best. Uh, here's a quick question that is not quick. This is a long, long one. I was about to say, this is a paragraph. Yeah, but I thought it was interesting, and I would like to hear what you guys think about it. This comes from Cody. He says, I'm a fan of sci-fi and fantasy games, but it seems like a lot of the games set in these two types of universes have backstories where everything is destroyed, about to be destroyed, or doesn't exist at all. For example, Destiny looked like it was going to have a really cool universe to explore, but we got there, and everything is destroyed or in ruins. A more recent example is Prey, where we're set in this cool-looking sci-fi space station, but there's no civilization or cool stuff to see because it's all blowing up or trying to kill you. Anthem, while, while I agree it looks like everything I wanted out of Destiny, looks like another jungle world with some monsters and an alien bad guy. I want to see what these technologically advanced humans can do when they're not shooting aliens or each other, but I can't because everything they built is in ruins. So far, the only game I've been able to play that has accomplished this is Mass Effect. Over the series, I was able to explore the entire galaxy and see multiple civilizations and what their culture had developed, and it was all shiny and it looked good. Granted, probably two-thirds of everything we saw in Mass Effect blew up, but that was after I saw it when it was shiny, which helped add weight to the fact that this thing that had been built for decades and I'd, and I'd seen had been part of the last 50 years of my life being threatened. I guess all I really want is some shiny... And all I'm seeing is another jungle, another desert, some more ruins. And while it all looks amazing graphically, so do five other post-apocalyptic games. I want to see and be part of a universe that isn't in ruins. Do you agree? What do you think, Christine? Yes. And actually, interestingly, I like he... Long question, short answer. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do. But for Mass Effect in particular, it's interesting because... um, Yes, the first original trilogy he's talking about did those things. But I actually feel like... I ca- they, the thing that they missed the mark on for me with Andromeda, aside from obviously the facial animations that everybody complains about, um, was the fact that I could have done without that that galaxy being in danger too. Like I could have right. done with, if that game was just basically space civilization um, with combat for enemies on the planet. I would have been totally okay with that. Like I I didn't need the other ultimate bad guy looming trying to destroy everything right i think having enough of the political ramifications of meeting a new alien species and trying to make sure you're not coming across all conquistadora like like i think they could have gone that way but i think maybe video games at this point are a little too scared to shy away from that formula also there's a large portion of the stuff you do in mass effect andromeda that is finding the ruins of the previous civilization or reactivating right. the abandoned ruins of the thing that was here for the precursors that are the blah, 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 blah. That no one's really quite sure of why they are. That it's a mystery because it's always a mystery. Yeah. <laughs> no one ever really knows. I think that, you know, a lot of the answer to this question is it's really hard to make a bustling modern thing that's full of life. It's much more e- easy uh, for uh, systems in a game to work if no one's around. <laughs> you don't have to worry yeah. about those pesky uh, AI characters breaking you out of it. You have to, you know, you don't have to create such a 
you know, such a robust world when you can create ruins of a robust world and, and talk about the things that used to be there. So yep. in a lot of ways, it's easier to make those, those decisions uh, when you're making a game. But I agree, man. I, I, I was never a Mass Effect fan, but I do, I am in. What? <laughs> I wasn't. Yeah, I know. It's weird to say, I guess, but I never liked Mass Effect. Uh, I played through all of the games except Andromeda is the only one I have not finished. And uh, I, I criticized all of them <laughs> heavily. What is it you don't like? I'm curious. I think uh, there's a lot of gameplay stuff in all of them that, that isn't my bag. I love role-playing games. I love talking simulators. I love all that stuff. But um, there was a moment in each of the games – Two isn't quite as bad in this respect, but there's a moment in each of the games where you literally just get an info dump. You're like, okay, now you're interfacing with the computer that tells you everything that happened up till now. And mm -hmm. it really bothers me. It bothers me that, that – and this kind of speaks to what Cody is talking about in this question as well. It, it bothers me that here we are in this cool far future and – all we care about is what happened before instead of what's happening now. Even in Mass Effect Andromeda, they have set up this really cool idea of what is happening now. We got to repopulate this new part of the galaxy. We got to go to this completely new area and make humanity survive. We are these arcs that are going and, you know, repopulating parts of the galaxy. That's a really cool thing that's happening now. That's important now. How do we do that? Well, we found out about what happened millennia ago with the precursors who were here before and blah, blah, blah. Like all of yeah. that stuff I find to be uh, tedious and not particularly engaging. And I, I find myself tuning out and not not enjoying the games. I do think that's it's a mechanic that they're leaning on too much now. It, games in general, not just Bioware. Um, and it's there's a bit of fatigue there. Yeah. Christian, what do you think about this question? I think to his point, I think fantasy does it better. Um, and I think your point, Jeff, about creating a bustling society might be why, because with fantasy, you don't need to recreate current New York or LA or, you know, an equivalent space version of that. But Skyrim and the Oblivion Morrowind games very much have lived in worlds where, where people are doing things and you get to see their day to day. Right. And the Witcher games also, I think, especially most recently Blood and Wine, while stuff goes bad, certainly there's stuff goes bad <laughs> in that expansion. But as you enter the world, you're very much in a, a very real world kingdom with, and you get to spend enough time in that. I mean, heck, you can literally just play Gwent. Like that is a world where there are people who just play poker all day, right? Like, yeah, that, is, yeah. that is a lived in. They have a gambling problem. Right. That, yeah. That is, their families are dying at home, but that's because they're not going home. They spent all their money gambling. Um, yeah, and you're right. Then, oh, God. Maybe not shiny in the way that Co Cody is talking about shiny, but it is like, especially as you said, blood and wine, it's beautiful and shiny in a rustic Tuscany way. It looks like you're stepping into the middle of Italy and it is certainly beautiful, but not particularly shiny. Right. And I think Fallout 4 did it well, too. Well, granted, yes, there has been an end of the world, but you are very much living in a new world that you're seeing how that world interacts. So I think it's a little column A, a little column B. It's not like the world Cody wants, per se, but it is you're, you're not creating that new world, right? The, the, 
the conceit for Fallout 4 is that you're waking up as this world has existed now for a long time and you're trying to figure out what the heck happened. Like that world has existed for almost a lifetime and it has a very functioning, well, functioning is not the right word. It has a society (laughs) that that you get to see how it interacts. But I think Jeff, your point about the, the tech and the AI scripting is why we don't have, um, you know, cloud Atlas, the game or something like that. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, a, a bit of a bummer that so many games rely on this wandering around a thing and figuring out what made the thing look like it is now. Like it, there used to be all – you're finding all these great audio logs of when the place was awesome and now the game place is not awesome. It's like no, I can understand Corey and others feeling like I want to see – I want to hang out here when it was awesome. Why do I have to see – Bioshock. Everything's freaking perfect. Is the <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think Bioshock Infinite tried. I was about to say Bioshock Infinite did a little bit. Yeah. No. Go ahead if you want to. Oh no! no I, that's all. Yeah. It was just like that. It, it was instead of Bioshock one where everything's a disaster. Right. Infinite, and, and, and you see it allowed you to explore. At least at the beginning of that game, you you got you got to see sort of the heyday of of when everything was great, but very quickly it turns not great. So. I, I think it would be cool to see – I mean, I guess Final Fantasy fifteen does modern day – everything is kind of shiny and cool. Like you go to a fully functional city and, and you run around. I mean, that's – I guess that's the closest we can do to, to that lately at least. Well, you have it like, – I'm wondering if, if what would satisfy him here is GTA sci-fi because – GTA five creates very cool, you know, bustling cities. It's not real LA dense, but we go along with that myth, that conceit and what they do put in, it feels fun and lived in and the areas of the town feel distinct. And that game is very much about right now. You're not running around discovering, you know, what mob ran this town 80 years ago. Right. Um, right. I think that'd be really interesting right. if rockstar did a, um, a sci-fi GTA or Red Dead or something like that. That'd be that'd be awesome. I think. Oh man, uh, sign me up! But I, I, that may be what uh, CD Projekt Red is doing with Cyberpunk 2099. Oh, yeah. oh, I mean God. that that game might be that. Hopefully. Anyway, I I, I, I can say nothing on these things. <laughs> okay. uh, As a former employee of CD Projekt Red, I say nothing. Oh. Goodbye. What do you mean? They just started. Cyberpunk hasn't been in development for a long time. It just started yesterday. Go ahead. Just hypothetically, what existed two years ago? <laughs> nope. <laughs> well, I that's one of my most anticipated games. I am so excited about that. Um, all right. Well, those are our uh, those are our quick questions. Thank you, guys. Again, you can send them to dlcfeedback at gmail.com if you want to hear your quick question answered on a future episode. But now uh, let's wrap up the show. Although, Christian, did you want to talk about a board game or you want to save it for next week? I'll save it for next week when I have maybe more reliable internet. That sounds like a plan. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of uh, DLC. Do stick around. We have a parting gift coming up for you very shortly. But I want to thank Christine Steimer for being here. Thank you, Christine. Thank you guys for having me. It was awesome. Uh, Tell people about where they can keep up with you and what you're doing on the internet. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Steimer, S-T-E-I-M-E-R, because it's a weird name. Um, And you can just go to whatsgoodgames.com because that's where all of our What's Good stuff gets posted. Just killing it. It's uh, very entertaining content. I highly recommend you checking it out. you and your your cohorts are are just doing great stuff. I I'm I'm a fan. Thanks. Yeah. 
Christian, how about you? Uh, you are in London right now. You got uh, some shows there or what? What's going on? I do. I have a few more shows. Uh, one Wednesday, which I've heard is already sold out, and then one Thursday that is a, a, like it's kind of a gong style show. I don't know. I'm happy to be a part of it. But if you are in London, Wednesdays is at the Civil Service Club, which I heard is sold out, and then Thursday is called the Blackout. And um, if you are not in London, uh, check out at least 20 more minutes, patreon.com slash Christian Spicer. I'm proud of what that show has become. It's my, my little extra 20 minute show that could. And I think it's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun. And then anchor, we are also doing department of parenting stuff, much like you're doing NLB new stuff every day. Chris Quintos and I are doing parenting stuff every day. You can find it at anchor.fm slash dop and like you are giving away a switch jeff chris and i are giving away a family so you oh. can uh tune in every day away a family yeah to win a family and uh is it that, comes with is it you, real life human trafficking <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> full circle full circle uh, and also wanna, here's, i just want to deliver here's pizzas. A pizza. yeah <laughs> <laughs> just here to deliver a pizza man i don't don't no, nope, you want a family no. you want a family congratulations <laughs> Yes. Welcome. Hey, listeners, guess what you've just been playing for the last 90 minutes? Beyond Good and Evil 2. Boom. Mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Christian mentioned I'm giving away a Nintendo Switch. Uh, That's going down today uh, over on Newest, Latest, Best, which is my daily video game show. If you haven't tried that yet, it's really cool. In fact, I can't announce it yet, but some very cool stuff is going to be happening. In fact, I'll be able to tell, talk about it next week on the show. But suffice it to say, the one thing people have requested the most about newest, latest, best. Dick pics. No, no, that's not. <laughs> no, it's not. I, 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 Nobody requests those ever. <laughs> they just come <laughs> on their own. Zero requests for that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, despite, by the way, if you want to request that, I would just, it's getting the request would be lovely. I, I'm not going to, you know, honor it, but I, I appreciate the request. No, um, <laughs> no, that's a terrible joke. Got really dark. Um, no, the, uh, the one thing people have requested most about, about that show is happening. So I'll leave that to you. All the people who are like, I'm not going to listen to that show because of X. Well, guess what? You're going to be happy. So, X going to give it to you? Okay. X going to give it to you. The, the, the way to find that show is either download the Anchor app and search for newest, latest, best, or just go to anchor.fm slash NLB. Also, um, the Slash Filmcast, we just recorded – this is really cool. We recorded an episode talking about Transformers The Last Night. None of us wanted to review that game, that movie. We knew it would be terrible. We refused to, in fact, but – we decided that in order to offset how horrible that movie was, we would try to do something good for the world. So we set up a GoFundMe and we said if we could raise $500 for charity, we would review Transformers The Last Night. We ended up raising $7,000 for LA Children's oh. Hospital. So proud of it. Uh, and then we recorded that episode last night with Paul Shear. It should be up today. Uh, it, it's a really fun, funny episode. And we there's still time. You can still um, – Support the cause. Listen to the episode and find out how to how to donate money. All of it goes to LA Children's Hospital. So uh, we're pretty proud of that one. That's at slashfilmcast.com. Thanks. Yeah, I'm really proud of it. Um, and then of course we have concerns. Is the comedy science show I do? We have concerns.com. All right, guys, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gift. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do 
Christine, do you have a recommendation for people to get through their week that might not be a video game? Something to do or see or check out? Well, it's not something you would probably be able to do in a week, but uh, it's a book. Mm. Um, and I've been reading this. I, I go back and forth between Zelda and reading this book. Um, and it's called The Confidence Game. Mm. And it is all about the psychology of con artists and why and how they work. Ooh, that sounds really interesting. It really is. It's just fascinating to learn about, you know, the basics of human nature and how we're so designed to to be set up for these sorts of things. Like we are designed to trust and we really want things to go well. So we believe things even though we know we shouldn't. Um, and especially with everything going on in the world today, uh, I just found this book and I was like, "This I need to read about this. <laughs> uh, so I, I highly recommend it. It's pretty fascinating. The Confidence Game. And do you know the author? The Confidence Game. Uh, Maria something. I'm looking at it across the room and the Switch uh, container is covering up the her last name, <laughs> it's but it's Maria the same lady. Nintendo, who, I guess. Maria Nintendo, I think. Maria uh, Legend of Zelda. <laughs> um, but she also wrote the book called Mastermind, which I think was also a pretty popular book. Awesome, Christian. What is your parting gift? Well, I don't want to spoil the confidence game, but the last page is just I made this all up. <laughs> Boom! Y'all got tricked. <laughs> which y'all got tricked. It's pretty good. It worked. Suckers. Yeah. <laughs> it's really like, that's your lesson, you know, like take that into the world. Um, mine is simple. It's just travel. Like so much of the world can be boiled down to, oh, it's the same Netflix and McDonald's everywhere. Yeah. But so much of it is, is different and you're, you really you're appreciate. Visiting, you're visiting a Netflix? Is that what you're? I am. I'm, I, it's, it's beautiful here. They don't have all the same shows. I'm like, what's on the UK queue? Um, I think. <laughs> We see Can you even watch Netflix with the internet speed that you have? <laughs> oh, that might be the problem. I actually have four streams up right now. <laughs> huh. Yeah. I've actually been streaming a lot of what's good content, so maybe I should just turn that off if that's the oh, problem. No. Zing, zing. <laughs> All that video content you guys are putting out. Um, travel. That's it. Just travel. And then sound like a robot when and if possible when you're doing a podcast while traveling. <laughs> uh, we have a listener-submitted... Parting gift. This comes from Ryan. He sent this to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Ryan says, this may not appeal to your music taste, but I thought some listeners might benefit. Felix Martin, pronounced Martin. Oh, I probably should have read that wrong. <laughs> I read that wrong. Uh, I really, really should read these ahead before I... <laughs> Felix Martin is a Venezuelan virtuoso guitarist with his own style. I had never heard of him until seeing his band on tour up in Canada just recently. He has his custom guitars that have necks beside each other. Instead of strumming, he plays both necks at the same time with each hand. Whoa. It offers an intriguing and different sound than some other bands in uh, this jazz metal hybrid space. He's based out of LA now, and I imagine North American tours will be fairly frequent. Thanks for the awesome E3 coverage. October will be very busy. Yes, it will. Uh, so thanks, Ryan. Again, that guy's name is Felix Martin. Spelled Martin. Um, <laughs> I have <laughs> I have a, uh, a parting gift. I just um, bit the bullet and bought an iPad Pro 10.5 inch that they they just came out with. I love I love my iPad. I had it had broken and. Um, it wasn't working. It wasn't registering my touches anymore. It wouldn't respond to my touch. 
Oh just no! Just like my wife. No, it didn't love you anymore. Uh, yeah, no, it did not. It did not. And uh, I had phased out the use of iPad, even though I love my iPad. I love. I have always loved having an iPad. Uh, I phased it out of my life and had just gone to just using my phone. You know, in the situations where I would use my iPad, it is so nice being back in iPad world. Um, it you know much more expensive than it needs to be. But that iPad Pro 10.5 inch is so snappy and so fun and so good. I'm just so glad to be back. The screen looks so beautiful. Do you have the pencil thing? No, I'm too cheap to buy the pencil thing. And, I, and I'm not an artist, so I don't really need it. You know, there's nothing to do with it really other than draw, I guess. Ah. And I'm not, I don't draw. Um, I didn't buy the keyboard. I can think of a few other things you can do with the pencil. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a few things to do oh, with the pencil. Like human trafficking. <laughs> human trafficking. The pencil is the key. Oh, boy. <laughs> it lures people in. <laughs> uh, I also didn't get the keyboard attachment, but that thing looks pretty cool. But anyway, I'm I'm, in, I'm digging my 10.5 inch, and it is noticeably lighter and snappier than uh, any of the others that I've ever had. So I dig it. I dig it. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Christine Steimer and Christian Spicer, especially for uh, you know sticking it out, being there in London on his vacation. Really appreciate that, buddy. Uh, thanks to all of you who are listening to the show. We appreciate you downloading and supporting us. Be sure to tell a friend or maybe uh, go to your platform of choice and give us a nice five-star review. That is helpful as well. We will be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.